Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And here in a moment, we're going to do something that we haven't done for a while, but I'm going to give you a moment to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. What was that Bible verse? Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you. You can use your cell phones, your tablets, your physical Bibles. got pew Bibles there in front of you. And what I want you to do, as soon as you have that Bible verse opened, is sit your Bible beside you. Mark your page with a bulletin or something so that you don't lose your place. And if you're at that place, and I know this is going to take a lot, but if we all do it, it won't feel so awkward, is I want everybody to stand up. Go ahead, it's okay, stand up, I'm telling you. Now, in a few minutes, I'll tell you, sit down. I hope we can sit down quietly, but we're going to stand up, and we're going to do something we haven't had the opportunity to do in a while. I want you to turn to your neighbor, or turn to somebody in front of you, behind you. You don't have to shake hands, you don't have to touch anybody, but I just want you to say good morning to somebody. Thank you. And why don't you just say, it's great to see you today. Thank you, and now let's say, hello, brother, hello, sister, whoever you're talking to. Hello, brother, hello, sister. And now listen up. I want you to say something else. I want you to look at them, and I want you to just say, God loves you, and so do I. Now, Mr. Mike, you took the easy way out there. I saw that. Talking to your wife. Thank you. And lastly, I want you to say one more thing. I just want you to say... How are you doing today? Thank you. Now you may be seated. That's something we don't do all that often anymore, isn't it? And right now I'm really impressed with how you're all sitting back down and you're being so quiet. That is great. I'm impressed. But at the end, I asked you to ask each other a question. I asked you to ask each other, how are you doing today? Now, there were so many voices, so many noises. You had such a little bit of time that I'm guessing you didn't really have a chance to hear them out. So I encourage you to do something else. After church today, go back to that person and ask, how are you really doing? Talk to that person. Pray with that person. Encourage that person. Challenge that person. Now, some of you got the easy way out there. I was watching Mr. Mike back there. I like Mike. He was talking to his wife. That's easy, except now you have to go to your wife later and ask, how are you really doing? But seriously, how are you doing? How are we doing? You see, we are the church. All of us together, all those who believe in Christ Jesus as Lord, as Savior, we are part of his church. We're part of his family. We are family all together. But sometimes we forget who we are. We forget our great blessings. We forget our great responsibilities. We forget that we have each other. We forget that we have a mighty God, a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We forget that we have this Holy Spirit within us and gifting us with so very much. We forget who we are as Christians. And that's why we're in the book of Ephesians right now. We're getting back to this book. Took a couple week break. I thank Eric Shavesty for speaking to us about his missions work. I thank Pastor Chuck for filling in the pulpit last week and we got to hear from him with the Youth Sunday, a great message there on Mother's Day. 
But it feels great to be back up here. Now, Dan, if you could turn me down in the monitors, I'm not sure how it sounds out there, but I just feel like I'm super loud. But we're in the book of Ephesians, and this book of Ephesians is all about how God is building a new you, but not just you specifically. He is working on building us as a church. And the book of Ephesians here in Paul right here is reminding us that we have great blessings. <laughs> and we also have a great spiritual responsibility. God is building a new us. But what does this look like? Paul is speaking to the people of Ephesus. He's speaking to all those around this area as well. And he's reminding them that they have great blessings and they have great responsibilities. He's reminding them who they are. And before we go any further, I want to read a little illustration to you. It's a quick illustration about a drill sergeant. Now, some of you are in the military. Let me just ask, how many of you have been in the military? Okay, so maybe some of you, thank you, yeah, thank you for your service to the country. Um, many of you, this might ring true, or maybe the movies just make this sound too extreme, but I doubt it, because I had a teen that went into the Marines, and I got to watch him, believe it or not, on some, on some pictures, some video of him at training. Um, I don't think they call it uh, basic training in the Marines, but whatever it is. Here's a story, an illustration. A drill sergeant barked out an order to a bunch of recruits, troops, soldiers. Maybe you can picture this from movies. Maybe you can picture this from your own life as the drill sergeant's lining up all his troops, his recruits, his soldiers, and he's getting ready to yell at them. Some of us don't do well with that, do we? We're like, I haven't even, I haven't even done anything wrong yet. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. You don't need to yell, but that's not what drill sergeants often do, is it? So this drill sergeant, he barked out an order to a bunch of recruits, troops, soldiers, like they often do. He yelled at the top of his, his lungs, spit flying, COVID spreading, <laughs> as he yelled, all you dumbbells, get moving, he shouted. And you know what? All but one obeyed. All but one obeyed. So this drill sergeant, angered by this one man's defiance, he walks up right to that person's ear, and he growls at him. What do you think you're doing? Aren't you going to get moving? And this young recruit replied, probably a little dumbfounded. He just says, there certainly were a lot of them, sir. Speaking of the so-called dumbbells, which are running in place, as he just stood there because he knew he, who he was. He thought, I'm not a dumbbell. Sir, what would you like me to do? Now, I'm guessing that didn't go over well, but it is a great illustration for us, is we forget who we are as Christians. We believe all the lies that the world tells us. We believe all the lies that Satan tells us. We believe all these things that keep us from focusing on what God tells us through his word and what the Holy Spirit helps to equip us with, to empower us with, to help us to understand Again, far too often, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget that we are new in him. We're saved through him by grace. We're blessed with great spiritual blessings. We're not dumbbells. But yet too often, we move like we're a bunch of dumbbells because we listen to everything the world's telling us instead of what God's telling us. We are the church. And part of being the church is to remember the great spiritual blessings that we have and to remember the responsibilities we have. 
And that's where we're at today in Ephesians. We're going to be reminded by Paul's excitement as he begins writing this letter in Ephesians. So I want us to focus on verses 11 to 14 of chapter 1 today. But since it's been a few weeks, we're going to start off on verse 1 of chapter 1. We're going to read through it. I'm going to try not to preach on it again because you've already heard that. If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel, Facebook, and find it, listen to it. I'll send you the notes, whatever you need. But we're just going to read. So please follow along now. Dan, my clicker's not working here, so you'll need to transition the slides for me. Thank you. Paul. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and go forward. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. I think we missed a part there. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Thank you. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. We talked a lot, I, I promise I won't preach on this again, but I just love that word, lavished. He has lavished greatly upon us great blessings. Grace. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And now we come to verses 11 and 14, what we'll be focusing on today. In him, we have ordained and obtained an inheritance. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. And believed in him. Were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What wonderful words to remind us of the blessings. You see, we now come to the end of Paul's song of celebration, which, as we have seen, is one long sentence in the Greek extending from verse 3 through verse 14. It's as if Paul starts to write this letter. And he just gets so excited about what he's saying, what he's writing, that he just forgets to take a breath. That happens to me sometimes. I'm sure you're not surprised at all. You forget to take a breath. You forget to swallow. And all of a sudden you're choking. And you got to <gasps> gasp for air. I can only imagine Paul as he 
as he's writing these words, getting excited, gasping for air as he's remind, being reminded, not just reminding others, but reminding himself of the great blessings that he has. You see, isn't that a great thing about spreading the good news, spreading the gospel, spreading the truth of God's word, of Jesus, of the cross, of Jesus crucified, dying and raising again in life, is that as we spread this good news, as we bless others, we also feel the blessings. Well, here we come to the end of Paul's song, his celebration. Paul started, and so did we, with an introduction in verse 1 to 2. He was talking about who is he as the author, and who is this letter going to? Who is this letter for? And then in verses 3 to 6, Paul celebrated. And so did we, the great blessings of the Father, in the election and predestination that we have. Now, not going into great detail with that, but I know there's, this is a hot topic, the election, the predestination. But we can't argue that it is in here. We can argue, we can debate, who exactly is this person? What does it mean to be elected? What does it mean to be predestined? But we can't argue the fact that it is there in our calling, our mission, is to go to all nations anyways. Our mission isn't to determine, is that guy right there elected? I don't know if I should talk to him or not. God, give me a sign. No, God's already told us to go to all nations. Let him sort it out. And then, the last time we were in here, we followed up with talking about verses 7 to 10. Paul celebrating the blessings of salvation, of redemption through Jesus. So if you're following along, we started with an introduction in week one. Week two, we talked about the blessings. Paul celebrating the blessings of the Father, of election, of predestination. And then week three, we celebrated with Paul, Paul celebrating the blessings of Jesus, the blessings of salvation, of redemption. And now number three, now finally, as Paul begins to wrap up, Paul starts to maybe settle down. Maybe not. Maybe it's that guy that he just keeps on going strong until the very end and then drop the mic moment. I think that's probably how it was. Paul begins to settle down as he talks about the third person of the Trinity. One often ignored, one often forgiven, but one with special characteristics, and that is the Holy Spirit. And he speaks of our inheritance. But not first before again praising God for salvation, praising God for predestination. Let me read this again. Verse 11 to 14, what we're focusing on today, just this part, follow along. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Paul again goes back, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him... You also, lost my place, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So as we come into this last section, we have seen the past, election, predestination. We've seen through the Father. We've seen the present, 
with salvation, with redemption through Jesus alone, through grace, not works of our own, but through his. And now we move on to seeing both the present and the future of the Holy Spirit and an inheritance. We see that we do have a future and we have blessings for all eternity. This brings us to the first point of today. As we celebrate the blessings of the Spirit and our independence, we see the grounds or the dependence of our inheritance. So going back to verse 11, if you have scripture in front of you, it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. This is something that many religions all around the world have wrong. This is what many churches, even right here in Bloomer, in the surrounding area might have wrong. You see, our grounds, our dependence for our inheritance, the very source of us having an inheritance at all is not based upon anything we are doing. It's not based upon our works. It's based upon Jesus. Jesus Christ is the grounds, the dependence upon which we have an inheritance. Notice that in him, in him, Jesus is the reason, not just the reason for the season, but the reason for everyday living with the Father. Without Jesus, our futures have no hope. Or as one pastor said, I believe it was John MacArthur, he said, without Jesus, our futures have no hope and life is tragic. Apart from Jesus, there's nothing in eternity awaiting us but condemnation, judgment, and persecution penalty. But Ephesians 1.11 declares this astonishing fact that we in him... Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, have an inheritance. According to Romans 8, 17, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And although we know for certain, and we also know for certain from God's word, not just from everyday living, that we may suffer now, we know that in the future someday we'll be greatly blessed and glorified in new bodies and with Christ Jesus reigning. For all of eternity, 2 Timothy 2, 12. 1 Peter then, 1, 3, and 4, if you're taking notes, I know you might have to take them fast today, I don't have them on the board, but 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4 reminds us, informs us, that this inheritance which awaits us, it is imperishable. It's uncorruptible. It's unfading. And it's awaiting us in heaven. Isn't that great news? In a world where so much of what we're depending upon, so much of what we're trying to receive, what we're trying to earn, what we're trying to get. See, I forgot to take that air. I got excited. In this world, so much of what we're trying to receive, earn, get is corrupted. It's perishing. It's unfading. And we might work our whole lives as trying to do this or do that or do this. And in the very end, we get there and it didn't even matter. But we know without a doubt that our inheritance, which God has awaiting us in heaven, is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading. And these are things to greatly praise God for, as 1 Peter 1, 3 starts off. But do not praise yourself. And I think we have, we have issues with that today. We praise ourselves. In fact, as you fellowship with one another in these very pews, you might look at somebody and you might praise them. And that's okay to do a little praising, to lift somebody up, to encourage them. But so often we praise one another so much more than what we praise God. 
And it's not in one another. It's not in your mom. It's not in your dad. It's not in your grandpa. It's not in your son, your daughter, or anybody else that we find this great inheritance. It's in Jesus. Praise Jesus. Paul was greatly aware of his dependence upon Christ for his inheritance. He knew that he was a great sinner and he would celebrate this blessing of God choosing him greatly. He would go to all the world that he knew in his spot at that time and he would, he would spread the gospel, spread this news. And not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Not just to one crowd, but to another crowd. Not just when it was safe, but when it was dangerous. And we're called to do the same. You see, election was immensely comforting to him. Just as it was centuries later, I found a quote of Jonathan Edwards, who wrote that the doctrine of election has often appeared exceedingly pleasant, bright, and sweet to him. Let me say that again. Jonathan Edwards, the doctrine of election has often appeared exceedingly pleasant, bright, and sweet. Notice that word, exceedingly exceedingly. It goes beyond anything that you might expect. In fact, some might say that the doctrine of election is unbelievable. As if you're honest with yourself, you understand that we don't deserve this. We don't deserve God's love. God says that all of us are sinners. Yet God also tells us that yet while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. It may be unbelievable, But verse 11 states clearly, in him we have obtained an inheritance. You can believe it. In fact, later in Ephesians 2, 8, Paul states, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And I love this word. I underline this statement. It says, and this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. So although you might feel like you're unworthy, although you may feel like I don't deserve it, Although you might ask God, why, why, why? You don't need to question. You need to receive. You need to hear the truth, the good news of the gospel, and you need to believe and be sealed. We'll get to that later. But later on, Paul also says, previous to this, in Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, which we'll get to in following, the following weeks, but I'd love to quote here. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7 says, But God... One of those but God moments I know a man in here has preached to you about before. But God, being rich in mercy, so rich in mercy that he gives freely from his abundant love. It says, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved And raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Again, I restate, the grounds or dependence of our inheritance is in him, is in Jesus. But this brings us to point two. We also have the assurance or guarantee of our inheritance. And this assurance, this guarantee of our inheritance is not in man. It's in the Holy Spirit. Mankind has always wanted assurance. You want assurance. All of us, we seek assurance. We want guarantees in our life. I can't even buy a simple product at Walmart before wanting to see, look at the back. What is the warranty? What is the guarantee? 
What is the assurance? We like contracts. We like oaths. We like pledges. We like to make sure that somebody can't back out of this deal and leave us stuck with a great bill. God gives us a pledge. You see, God's word should be enough, but God gives us the Holy Spirit as an assurance, a guarantee, a pledge for our inheritance, for what we have both coming to us now, within every single day, and in the future. The Holy Spirit is the assurance or guarantee of our inheritance from God for an eternal redemption and an inheritance. God gives us a pledge. And we can believe this pledge. You see, all believers at the moment of salvation have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this is seen throughout Scripture, but specifically Romans 8 tells us that this, if this Spirit is not in you, you do not belong to Him. Romans 8, 9 also tells us that the Holy Spirit is what testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And this too should lead us to great praise, shouldn't it? The Holy Spirit functions in the present but it also functions in the future. As every day we're being sanctified, we're being equipped, we're being empowered, we're being given wisdom, we're being given understanding, we're being given a connection with God, and he yearns on our behalf. I saw a, a little meme, I, I like those funny memes, but it had one of those slate boards, or one of those boards that you can put the letters in. And the first part was us, or a person, the second part was God talking back, and the person said, Lord, help me dot, 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 and all the words get scrambled, all the letters get scrambled, as they just didn't know what to say, they lost their words, they lost their thoughts, whatever it was. And then you see God's response, I understand. That's what the Spirit does for us. He helps us, he yearns on our behalf, and he helps us to understand God's word, God's purpose, God's will. The Holy Spirit functions in the present but also in the future. He seals us at the moment of salvation and he seals for the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. And this serves as a pledge of not just what we are promised to have now, but what we're promised to have in the future. And the scripture today reminds us of that, that it is a pledge of an inheritance coming. Now, some have said that the Holy Spirit sealing us for an inheritance, the assurance is like an engagement ring. Wives, you might picture that engagement ring that your husband gave you. Hopefully you still love it and you don't think, oh, it's so small. My wife tells me she doesn't want a replacement ever. And I hope she's being truthful there. But here's the problem with using an engagement ring as an illustration for what the Spirit has promised us, what God's promised us, is engagement rings sometimes get thrown away. Sometimes they're rejected at the moment they're offered and somebody says, no, I don't want to marry you. Or sometimes they, they get engaged and then through the course of their engagement, stuff happens and they throw the engagement away. They decide not to get married, not to be wed. Sometimes they do get married and due to different reasons, they decide to get a divorce. You see, promises get broken all the time, but not God's promises. That's why... I don't like this idea of a wedding ring, an engagement ring. Governments make promises. They break them. Advertisers make promises. Politicians make promises. Friends make promises. Spouses make promises, especially when they're out fishing and they say, I'll be home for dinner, and then eh, dinner gets a little later, don't they? they? They broke that promise. We break promises, but God's promises never get broken. 
God's prophecies always come to be. God's promises always come to be. And that's why I think there's a better idea. I think the Holy Spirit is a down payment, a non-refundable deposit that guarantees that God will carry out all his promises towards us. You see, in God giving us this Holy Spirit, in us having him, we have this down payment. It's something of great value. And it's something that doesn't get thrown away. It's something which never leaves. It's non-refundable. And even as we get more, even as God pays more into us and we pay more into him, we become more like him. The promises just keep adding up as we get more and more blessings. And God should be getting more and more glory. But we also need to remember that there is more coming. Again, God's promises are eternal and always come to be. Every promise he makes, he keeps. We will receive an inheritance. But sometimes we need to get past this day's struggles, this day's sufferings, this day's problems. And having great blessings doesn't always mean that God takes away those struggles. It doesn't mean that God takes away the troubles of today. But what it does mean is that he's with you. He hears you. He gives you understanding of his word. And he gives you a Holy Spirit to seal you. To preserve you. To bless you in spiritual ways. So what is this inheritance we speak of? Well, there's actually two definitions. There's two interpretations of this inheritance. And I think I should tell you both. I think both are true. One is this inheritance is something that we are to somebody else. You see, one is that we are in inheritance. We're Christ's inheritance. We are his. We are one at Calvary. We now belong to him. We are his. We're new in him. But then second, and also rightfully true, is that we have an inheritance. So again, if you're taking notes, we are an inheritance, but we also have an inheritance. Now, what is this inheritance we have? The Bible doesn't go in great detail here, but we can add up many blessings which we know are to come. Let me list a few. We have salvation. We have redemption. We know this. We also have eternal life. We have no second death. We have not just existence, but we have life which includes purpose and meaning, something that many people are missing today. They're missing. They're looking for what is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? And we know this purpose. We know this meaning. Or we will receive this. We will have this. Some of this is to come. Number two, we have a new, we will have a new, non-corruptible, immortal body. We're also told in God's word there will be just like Jesus' resurrection body, resurrected body. We're also told that we will have eternal dwelling with the triune God. We're also told that we'll have eternal living in heaven. Which we're also told is a place without mourning, without crying, without pain, without any evildoers. A place of extreme beauty. Without sickness, without disease, without illness. A place where God's favor dwells. Isn't that great? And finally, lastly, I put we also have eternal purpose in serving God, or we will have eternal purpose in serving God. So you see, we have quite an inheritance, both coming to us now, coming to us each and every single day as we're being sanctified to be more like him, but we have quite an inheritance coming in eternity 
as well as we eventually receive new bodies and eventually receive the fullness of redemption of which we're promised. We will receive it because we're sealed in him by the Holy Spirit who is God's pledge to us. This Holy Spirit, again, is our assurance, our guarantee of what we have now and pledges what also is to come. And William Barclay, some people pronounce it Barclay, I think it's Barclay. You can correct me later. He said this, I love this quote. The highest experiences of Christian peace and joy which the world can afford are only faint foretaste of the joy into which we will one day enter. It is as if God had given us just enough to whet our appetite for more and enough to make us certain that someday he will give us it all. Isn't that great? But you know what makes it even greater? To know that the Holy Spirit is assuring us, guaranteeing us, sealing us for this day. We can look forward to this. The highest experiences of Christian peace and joy which the world can afford are only faint foretaste of the joy into which we will one day enter. It is as if God had given us just enough to whet our appetite for more, enough to make us certain that someday he will give us it all. Don't you love appetizers? I love appetizers. You know, I was at a nice little wedding yesterday of Ethan Harder and Tara, and they had some food, and while we were eating, people were just talking about how much they love to eat. I love to eat, and I love appetizers, and I just really connect with this well because I do think a good appetizer, appetizer can just whet your, app- your appetite for more. It can make you think, wow, if this is this great, can you imagine what's coming next? Have you ever been to a place that you get like a seven-course meal? There's this place in Frankenmuth, Michigan. If you've never looked that up, look it up. It's a great little tourist town, German town, lots of food. And they have this restaurant called Zinder's. I love Zinder's. It's a chicken place. Who doesn't like deep-fried chicken? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) You might be smited now. No, I'm joking. They have a, I think it's $20 a person, and it's like a seven-course meal. They bring out one course. And it's not just one thing. They bring out like five different things with the first course. And then you eat that. Then they bring a second, then a third, then a fourth. And with each course, it's just so good that you just can't wait for that next best thing. Let me tell you, your best life is not now. Like what one pastor once was quoted of saying, your best life is to come. And God's just wetting our appetite. God's blessing us greatly and saying, look what I am giving you now. Look what I promise to give you in the future. Glorify me, serve me, worship me, do my work, love my people, love me. Let's move forward. Paul concludes this sentence, this one long sentence of verses four, uh, 3 to 14, with the ultimate goal or purpose of our inheritance. Let's read this again. In the very end, verse 14, he says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Now we can focus on all these ultimate goals, ultimate purposes of our inheritance, which are great things to focus on, great things to see, but ultimately it's not about us. Again, we said it's, it, it's, it can be great to encourage somebody, great to praise somebody else for their godly characteristics, but ultimately the ultimate goal or purpose here is that we would glorify him. God has redeemed us from great bondage, sin, and it's for his glory. We are his possession. We have been bought with a price. 
the precious blood of Christ, and it is for his glory. Now, let's go back for a moment before we start to close and talk about who is this message for. Guys, skip this. I want to bring this all together at the end. You see, Paul starts in verse 11 of saying, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of his will, so that we, again, notice that we, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. But then he transitions directions and he says, In him you also, you, notice that change, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And then he brings it both together and he says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? Who is this message for? It's not just for the Jew. It's not just for the Gentile. It's for all of us. We all have an inheritance through Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul speaks of unity that we have. We have unity as the church, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as Lord. We have great blessings. We have great responsibilities. We have a great inheritance. We are heirs of God. We're heirs with Christ. We are all in this together. We all are being blessed. But sometimes we forget who we are, don't we? That's where we started this morning. We forget these blessings. And we need to look to God's word. We need to remember the promises he's made us. The down payment we have. The Holy Spirit we have within us sealing us. We need to look to the church, look to one another, look to God's word and encourage each other with it. Verse 13, though, reminds us. It's not about us. It says, when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Never lose sight that there's nothing we could do to earn our, our way to heaven. It's all through Jesus. Jesus is the grounds. Jesus is the dependence upon our salvation. We need him. Have you heard and believed? Notice there's three things spoke of here. You hear, you believe, and then you're sealed. You hear, you believe, and then you're sealed. And it happens so fast, but you need it all. You need to hear the truth, hear the good news, and believe the truth. Believe the good news. Trust it and be filled, be sealed. Now, don't just believe without action. For we're told that even the demons, even Satan believes in God, in the truth. But we need to trust in the truth. We need to allow it to transform our hearts to follow after Christ. Be, be sealed. Hear the truth. Believe the truth. Be sealed. One pastor once rightly stated, I love this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Coming to Jesus is coming to realize the truth. Coming to Jesus is coming to realize the truth of the good news. You see, there's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus. This is both truth and it's good news. Because by accepting this, by believing this, by trusting this, we see that it's not based upon our works but his. It's based upon grace. Finally, here's some take-homes for you. Some applications, some stuff for you to ponder. A seal. 
I want you to think about a seal, and I'm not talking about the animal, the ocean animal. I want you to think about a seal. Jessica saw some, I think, in San Diego. Yes. I want you to think about an old letter. And generally, a king or somebody that's writing this old letter, they drop some candle wax to seal the envelope, and then they stamp it with an emblem. Generally, this might be an emblem of their family, their seal, their name, their crust. A seal was an impression made into that wax so that you could identify who this was. It's authenticity. It's authority. God has made an impression upon you. God has made an impression upon you through the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. Let me tell you about some of what that means, and I'll give you a question to ponder. The Holy Spirit of God indwells believers and secures and preserves their eternal salvation. The Holy Spirit is protecting us and equipping us to do God's work and to eternally glorify Him. The Holy Spirit of God both shows us God's will and purpose and enables us to do it to His glory. The Holy Spirit's indwelling, His sealing, is also a mark of identification, as I was saying. Just as a seal on a letter would often have the emblem of the one who wrote it, or a seal or a branding on an animal which is valued greatly by its owner. Praise God, we're not branded with a hot iron, but we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that's even better. You see, by this seal we have by the Spirit, it says we belong to God. We're no longer of the world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We are owned by God. And he is preserving us to be with him for eternity. And just as a farmer may watch over his cattle who are branded in his name because they belong to him, God watches over us as his children. Nothing can steal us. Nothing can destroy us. For his seal does not fade. It does not break away. It is incorruptible and unfading, as we read. His promises are forever, and there is security in the seal, and not just for today, but for a future blessing for all of eternity. Here's the question for you to ponder. A seal was an impression made upon that subject, that thing. God has made an impression upon you and continues to do so as he sanctifies you, as he's molding you more into his image of his son. God has made an impression upon you. Can people see that impression of God? I just got chills. Can people see the impression of God that he's placed upon your life? I was talking to somebody who called me last night on the phone and wanting some interpretation of some scripture. And she's talking about how she always likes to, when somebody does something good for her, she likes to share this Bible verse with them. But I challenged her with something. I said, great job sharing that. But you got to take it a step forward. you got to say, do you know Jesus? Do you believe? It's one thing to know God's word, but it's another thing to believe God's word, to trust God's word, to believe in Jesus as Lord and trust in him. We need to go that step further. Can people see the impression God has made upon your life? Can they see that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that you have God indwelling within you? If so, ask them if they want what you have. Let them know why you're different. Do people see this impression? Do they see this seal? Do they see that you belong to and have a great inheritance for both now and the future for all of eternity? 
And then finally, as we wrap up, I remind you of this full inheritance which awaits you. Do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're struggling to see the hope. You're struggling to remember the joy. You're struggling to remember what you have awaiting you. Do not lose hope. Look to God's word. Be reminded of his promises and know what is to come. Talk with him. Find hope. Find joy in him. But then also don't forget that we're family. And God loves you. And so do we. Help one another to remember the great blessings that you have in the Holy Spirit of God. Pastor David Platt once said, I want to share this in closing, that God the Father chose us, God the Son redeemed us, and God the Spirit has assured us. Let us worship the triune God. We're going to close in prayer now, but then we're going to do what our hearts desire to do. Our hearts never feel fulfilled unless we're doing what God ordains, God wills, God's purposes us for us to do. And we know without a doubt that God purposes us to praise and worship and glorify him. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to do that with one closing little chorus. And then we'll go to Sunday school and hopefully praise him in that too. Let's close your eyes. Lord, we just thank you that we have an inheritance. Not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, but because Jesus has come and died for us, yet while we are still sinners. You loved us so much. You desired such a relationship with us from the beginning of creation that you made a way for us, Lord. And we thank you for that way. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are saved by grace through faith in him. And Lord, we just pray today for this seal which we have, this impression we have. Lord, help us to remember it. Help us to see it. And help us to be a great witness of your love so that you, as we know you will, will receive all the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Please stand as we worship with one final song. Let's sing that one more time if we could and just focus on those words which have such meaning. Say them to God.
Thank you for joining us today in worship. Be blessed.